If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to the Baseball America College Podcast. I'm Teddy Cahill. Today on the, the Baseball America College Podcast, we've got Arizona head coach, Jay Johnson, uh, and Jay is here to, to talk about the Wildcats going into the, the 2019 season, uh, wrapping up a, a 2018 campaign that was uh, a little disappointing for, for Arizona, missing the postseason, probably one of the first teams out of the field of 64, but they're going to be looking to get that corrected here as we go into 2019, and they've just gotten their fall ball campaign uh, started. And they started in kind of a, a unique, actually, no, it is just a unique fashion with the Mexican baseball fiesta there in Tucson. And, and what that is is that there are some professional teams from Mexico that, that come up and um, you know, play in Tucson. And uh, the Wildcats were able to, to play one of the, those, those pro teams. And that was actually on their first day of, of team fall ball activities. They, they started their fall ball uh, you know, with, with a challenging uh, opponent there, uh, and, and you know, we'll see how that how they progress through the rest of the, their fall. But you know, it's good to to get that going right away. Uh, you know, find out exactly what you've got uh, right from the jump, and especially true, I suppose, when you have as many young players as Arizona does this year. It was a, a strong recruiting class coming in, ranked number thirteen in the nation, especially. Um, big, uh, heavy on the, the pitching side for Arizona this year. They, they brought in a number of, of arms that they're, they're going to now rely on over the next few years as they kind of revamp their pitching staff to uh, you know, be able to, to go out and compete in the Pac-12 and, and chase, uh, chase that regional bid and try and get back to Omaha, where, of course, they last were in 2016, Jay Johnson's first year in Arizona, when they finished as a national runner-up to Coastal Carolina. So plenty going on in the, the Arizona program, and, and Jay will get to a lot of that here. Um, you know, so we'll, uh, we'll just get right to this interview here uh, with Arizona head coach Jay Johnson. Today on the Baseball America College podcast, like I mentioned, we have Arizona coach Jay Johnson. Uh, Jay, uh, welcome, to, uh, welcome to the show today. Awesome, Teddy. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. It's... Uh, it's fun to fun time here. You guys are, are getting started with fall ball. It's uh, it's hard to believe we're in the middle of October already, but you guys got things started here. Uh, really kicked things off uh, with a game against uh, Naranjeros de Hermosolo of the uh, Mexican Pacific League in the uh, Vamos a Tucson Mexican Baseball Fiesta. Can you just kind of explain what that that tournament is all about there in Tucson? Yeah, it was a great experience, and the Mexican Baseball Fiesta came to us last year and wanted to include us. Uh, you know, we're a big part of the community, obviously, here, and it's a great event. I mean, they were running, you know, five to 6,000 people in the stands uh, per game, and so we got to play the opening night against, you know, the best team in the event, which had a bunch of uh, pro players, ex-big leaguers, double-A and triple-A guys. It was great to put the uniforms on uh, for our freshmen, and 
first-year players to get in that type of atmosphere. Really, the first day of practice was uh, a great opportunity. We saw a lot of good things and, and gave us a good springboard into what we want to do in the fall. You ran out a lot of players in that game, which finished 2-2. Uh, two to two. I know you weren't concerned about the score at this stage of the fall, uh, but, I mean, just what, what did you see that you liked or uh, that you wanted to improve on as, as the fall continues now? Yeah, I think the, the best takeaway was the length of the pitching. We threw nine players, and eight of them were new pitchers, one inning apiece. And uh, of the nine guys, um, eight of them were over 90 miles an hour at some point in the inning. And so I think the depth and the arm strength that we were able to bring in with this new class was great to see. I think it was great to see their mental disposition uh, be able to slow the game down and, and really fill up the strike zone. And they only gave up four hits the entire night, which was very impressive. And, uh, you know, on the position player side, taking a bat against pro pitchers, thought we held our own pretty well. We, uh, I think we had nine or ten hits and didn't, uh, didn't really uh, – look overmatched, overwhelmed, did not chase out of the zone. And, you know, the game definitely exceeded my expectations for where we are in the development of our team. And I think that's a credit to some of the talent of our players. Now, one of the players on Naren Harris uh, was Dalazar, your, your former catcher. Uh, I mean, just what was that like uh, competing uh, against him? Well, it was my first game at Arizona without him as our catcher, so it was a little bit uh, odd. Um, Cesar was a great player for us and just did a tremendous job. And very happy for him being a, a good pick by the Astros last year and is playing in the, the Pro League down in Mexico this winter. And, and he's on his way, and his value to us was, was tremendous. And um, we're real proud of him and definitely a little bit odd experience having him in the opposite dugout, that's for sure. No doubt. Uh, so I guess this game was, you used it as the international game that, that the NCAA Correct. allows. Yeah, so I mean, what, what do you get out of, um, you know, when you play some of these teams from other countries, you know, they, they have different styles of play. In this case, they were, they were an older group. I mean, just what does that kind of uh, bring to the table for you? Well, I think there was a lot of positives. I mean, how often do you, in a college baseball setting, do you get to play in front of 5,000 people? you know, especially in October. And so we get those types of crowds here in Tucson, and so I thought it was a tremendous learning experience for our players to be able to deal with, you know, that type of environment, which, you know, we'll see later in the year and be that much more prepared for it, hopefully. I think when you look at uh, the quality of the competition, uh, was very strong, and I think it it mimicked a lot of what we see in the Pac-12 with, you know, professional players. I mean, there was a couple guys, you know, from Hermosillo that were 94 to 97. Uh, all of them could throw a breaking ball for a strike. Uh, they were matching up, bringing lefties out of the bullpen. So it was a really good challenge at, at this point. And I think uh, just setting a foundation for competition, uh, getting to play in a close game. I mean, it was a, we were ahead 2-1 to one late, late in the game and, and learning how to operate in those types of environments and really to do it without having – practiced or trained as a team until the day of the game uh i think it was great you know and we'll get three or four good weeks in and then we'll play cal state fullerton and then byu a little later in the fall so we're really looking forward to those opportunities also yeah i mean it's interesting to me that you know just kind of examining how everyone handles fall ball in different parts of the country and where you are of course you can start later because you can play later uh, I mean, do you, do you like that aspect of it, being able to get the kids in, in school and acclimated and doing individual work for a while before 
uh, you get into the, the team fall practice? Yeah, 100%. And, and we started uh, strength and conditioning the very first day of school. I mean, this morning, we actually listed for the 29th time the semester already. So uh, we got them going pretty fast in regards to that and, and in the individual work and those types of things. I think the later start benefits us tremendously in it allows the pitchers to, you know, A, either let them rest their arm a little bit coming off of uh, the summer or reboot their arm if they took the summer off and, and get six to seven weeks of quality throwing program in before they ever step on the mound. So that's probably the best benefit of it. And then the other benefits of having a little lighter schedule, you know, getting adjusted to college life and those types of things. And I think the, the best one is that we don't have as much time between when we finish our competitive fall segment to the start of the regular season. And so the foundational pieces that you put in as far as teaching and development, you know, aren't as far away than if you had to start earlier. You mentioned the, uh, the recruits that you have coming in, the, the big recruiting class uh, this year that uh, we ranked number 13th overall in the country. And you got guys like Austin Wells and, and Bryce Collins and, um, you know, some exciting arms like Randy Abshire and, and George Arias Jr. And, I mean, just w- when you look at this group, I mean, what, what stands out to you uh, about this class? Yeah, I mean, I think we had a, a three full years to recruit them, and so I think the quality of it is as good as we've had since we've been at Arizona. And, you know, very excited about it. And, and it, for us, you know, the improvement, you know, needs to be on the mound and the pitching staff and, I referenced, you know, eight of the nine guys were at 90 or better at some point in that Hermosillo game. And, uh, you know, a couple of those young freshmen, I mean, Bryce Collins, George Arias, you know, it was only an inning, but, you know, flashed three or four pitches. You know, Collins was 92 to 94, Arias was 91 to 93. Um, you know, both, you know, struck two guys out in the game. Uh, there are three outs that they got. Randy Abshire, you know, big arm with a lot of upside, a lot of potential. Um, you know, was really throwing the ball well. And then mixing in a few transfers as well. You know, Andrew Nardi, left-hander, uh, really looked electric. Uh, Nate Brown, uh, transfer from Florida, uh, threw the ball really well, was really down in the zone with three pitches for strikes, and Vince Vanell. So I think it's a deep, deep uh, recruiting class, and, and particularly on the pitching side, which, you know, we want to really build a staff that, you know, creates a lot of problems for people, and they're all different. They're all coming at you, and they're all tough to hit. Fill up the strike zone, and then on the position player side, it was great. You know, getting Austin Wells four at bats, Brandon Bossier four at bats, Ryan Holgate four at bats. Uh, you know, against that caliber of pitching right off the bat, was really positive. So we're excited about these guys, and now we're working extremely hard to develop them to be to be the best players they can be. I mean, it's interesting as you guys set about kind of rebuilding this pitching staff after a lot of guys have moved on, graduation, pro ball. Your pitching philosophy, just in general, I mean, you, don't, you oftentimes don't have set roles uh, that, that last all season long. Or you, you oftentimes are, are looking just to play matchups, and you like to have guys who are very versatile on the mound. Can you just kind of explain where, where you're coming from with, uh, with your pitching philosophy? Yeah, I think it's twofold. Number one, you know, we're going to treat every game like it's the Super Bowl, and we want to win every time we step on the field. And we want to put pitchers in the best position to be successful. And sometimes, you know, they're in college for a reason. You know, there's something missing. Otherwise, they, you know, would be a first or, or second round pick. So setting them up for success, you know, is really where the matchup 
uh, thing comes in. Uh, I think, secondly, it gives more players a chance to make a positive contribution to the team, and that can improve your team dynamic uh, when you're doing that and you're using more guys. So that's very valuable as well. And, you know, in all reality, I think we have some guys that could, you know, emerge into, you know, guys that you say, hey, we're going to run this guy out every Friday or every Saturday for the course of a season. And if we can do that, by all means, we want to do that. I just don't know that we've uh, had the types of guys to, you know, compete at the top of the Pac-12 to be able to do that. So we had to find a different way. We did that. And, um, you know, but if, if a couple of them want to emerge and, you know, be unhittable three times through the lineup and then hand it to a setup guy <laughs> and a closer, I'm all for that. So hopefully hopefully we can move in maybe a little more conventional direction. I mean, I like that you, you mentioned the, the Super Bowl mentality there that, I mean, I the, the one thing I noticed when you guys were making the run to uh, the, the World Series Finals in, in 2016 was just the various motivation techniques that you have. And that's, that's one of them that, that you get them to your players to buy in that every game is a Super Bowl and after every win you guys take a picture so that you guys you know remember the win and no one win you know every win matters and uh, I mean just wh- where do you come up with some of this stuff and, and where, where does some of that stuff originate from? Well the motivation behind it first is, is college baseball is a very fickle game and we look at it like a, a 50-60 game playoff I mean in all three years here in 16 and 17 we were probably one win away from hosting a regional which we all know what a significant advantage that is and then last year probably a win away from you know being in the ncaa tournament so our players know the value of them and so you cannot afford to have a let up or you know not bring your best and then just for survival you know in the pac-12 with the type of quality players that are in the conference and type of quality coaches that are in the conference. So, you know, motivation is just the baseline for survival. As far as where it came from, you know, I've had some good mentors. My dad was a really good high school football coach and I think was ahead of his time with some of that stuff. And then, you know, I spent eight years with, with Rich Hill at San Diego, who was really good at that, you know, really trying to get players, uh, you know, to, to really compete and to really, uh, you know, be consistent, you know, on the attitude and concentration and effort they bring, you know, you can't do that just by rolling the balls out. So whatever way we can get them engaged and locked in on being the best they can, we want to try to do that. And, and your teams generally are pretty loose in the dugout, and that might be an understatement. I mean, the, the whole country kind of saw that, I guess, during the World Series. But, I mean, you, you've got guys um, who just are having fun playing the game, and, how how much do you uh, do you just want to let them run with that stuff, or do you ever try to rein them in at all? <laughs> what are your thoughts on, on on your dugout? Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, I get asked about that a lot. Uh, <laughs> you know, I coach third base, and you know, whenever we're in the third base dugout, my back's to the dugout, and I'm totally engaged in trying to help us score runs. So uh, I don't notice a lot of this stuff till after the fact. But uh, you know, I, I think. You know, we want to respect the game. We want to respect, you know, what everybody's doing and those types of things. With that being said, I want them to want to be on a baseball field more than they want to be anywhere else in life. And so part of that is just letting them be themselves and, uh, you know, being able to play free and and uninhibited and that type of thing. And so some of that comes out. Now, we've had a couple of those players that were, 
what you would call the ringleaders of that deal move on. So it'll be interesting to see what type of personality this team takes on. But really, it's it's more of hey, we're gonna we're gonna recruit really good players and let them be themselves as long as they're totally engaged and competitive. We're not gonna nitpick at every little thing that they do. Yeah, I mean, I I personally love it, and I I just think that you know these are these are college kids having college kids like they're they're just enjoying their college experience and. If part of that spills over into the dugout, or they shoot music videos, like I, I just think that's awesome. <laughs> well, I uh, I was a PE major, and I have very little artistic talent, <laughs> creative thought in regards to anything but baseball. So I'm not taking credit for any of that. So. <laughs> Do you have a favorite video that Sawyer Gieske shot when uh, when he was there? <laughs> You know what? He was a talented guy, and I thought they were all good. And you know, in, in a lot of ways, and that's the way kids are nowadays with social media and constantly on their phone and on the internet. You know, any way that you can promote your program is is a positive. And uh, you know, we're thankful that Sawyer had some talent to do that and uh, did a really nice job with that as uh, as he did. So uh, all good on our end with that stuff. <laughs> Well, you mentioned how you felt like you guys maybe were just a win away from the NCAA tournament last year, and, and I mean, you certainly were one of the first teams out of the tournament, it seemed like. And I mean, it just seemed like that team, maybe on the road, couldn't get things going in a, into a, a sort of a groove. I mean, just what do you have, as, as you look to 19, what are you looking for for this team to take a step forward to get back uh, to the postseason? Yeah, I mean, it, it was an interesting season because it was one when you finished up, you didn't you didn't feel like a, a failure. And what I mean by that is we were 20-6 and six in non-conference games. Our non-conference RPI was 11, and we won six of our 10 Pac-12 series. And so on the surface, it, it just it, – I felt like we were an NCAA tournament team. And it would be very easy, though, to sit back and – go, oh, we're fine, and that, this and that. And instead, uh, I give our players a lot of credit. We, we basically have just, you know, taken a hard look at everything we could do a little bit better in terms of, you know, self-discipline, fundamentals, all those types of things that will, you know, put us over the top. And so far, we've had a great start to, to this year. And, uh, you know, a lot of new players, but, you know, they're very much getting integrated into a, a culture of hard work and, toughness and fundamentals and you mentioned the road thing that uh hopefully the decisions they're making on a daily basis and their commitment to the right things will will put us where we need to be and there's no excuses about that that that's what we want to do and and the action you know on a daily basis is is being taken to to improve us in every phase and and right now i don't know if that leads to any type of different results but but we're putting forth the effort to to make sure we're on the right side of that deal you talk about how there are some new faces, but there are also some pretty solid returning players, guys like Cameron Cannon and Nick Quintana. And, you know, Cannon kind of had a breakout summer in some respects in, in Cape Cod, um, you know, and, and seems to be a guy that, that's garnering interest at, as we look to the, the 2019 draft. I mean, he's a guy that, that can, is pretty versatile in the infield. Just what, what are you looking for from, from Cameron this spring? Yeah, he, he's a baseball player and uh, really talented. And I, I, we were lucky, you know, he was one of those guys that had, did not commit to a school early. So when we got to Arizona, we still had the opportunity to recruit him and sign him. And boy, we're sure glad we did. And 
I always look at Cam as a really balanced player. I mean, he has really good feet at short. He has above average hands. He has a really strong arm. So has all the makings of a really good, you know, whatever you want to call it, top 25 or, or power five shortstop. Uh, as far as the pro game, you know, maybe the second baseman, maybe the third baseman, I'll let somebody else decide that. I think he brings good versatility there where he could probably be a, a plus defender at all four infield spots. And then the hitting thing, he has enough power and bat speed and baseball aptitude to really hit enough to play any of the four infield positions. And we're just looking for that slight improvement. Uh, I believe he was an honorable mention all-pack 12 player last year, which, you know, he probably could have been an all-pack 12 player. I don't know how that always breaks out, but um, I think he's got all the ability in the world. I think he could be a future major league player and uh, has really, really improved, you know, in his time here. And if the jump from the sophomore year to the junior year is as big as the one from the freshman to the sophomore year, that'll be great for our team and, and great for Cam and and he just loves loves baseball, and, and I love coaching players that love baseball. I mean, that certainly makes things easier. I mean, like you said, you're, you want guys that want to be out at the field more than anything else, and so if they're, if you can get guys like that, I, I guess that's that's at least half the battle, it feels like. Yeah, no doubt, and you, and you mentioned Nick and Tana, and he's the same way. I mean, I'll, I'll be in here at night, and, you know, we've had a long day, and I'll pick out my window if somebody's walking over to the Terry Francona hitting facility, and it's Nick Quintana, so... Those guys have been great, you know, and, and we mentioned, you know, wanting to take a step forward in everything that we do, and they've done a great job leading the charge in that. And uh, whatever organization drafts both those guys, they're getting good players, but they're getting really quality human beings also. I like that name drop of the Terry Francona hitting facility that just opened <laughs> like a year ago now, I guess, uh, and, and Terry gave a million dollars. Is that right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, my favorite baseball team quickly transitioned to the Cleveland Indians <laughs> when that happened. I'll tell you that much. Um, he's, he's awesome. What a great guy. And, and we're proud of his success. And just what they've done with that organization since he's been there is, is remarkable. I had a tough loss with the Astros yesterday, but another championship, another great season. And, you know, I'm sure it's a little sooner than he wanted, but we're looking forward to seeing him back in Tucson here this offseason. Awesome. Well, you, uh, you also mentioned much earlier now uh, about the, just the atmosphere uh, in Tucson. And you guys have a great college atmosphere, and, and especially at the baseball games. I mean, just what, what's that like playing in front of, uh, you know, the, the Tucson crowd uh, all spring long? Well, first and foremost, it's a tremendous home field advantage. You know, we've, we've been really successful over three years at home. Somebody told me not that long ago that we're 70 and 20 at home over the last three years, and that's playing a really highly competitive schedule when you have half the Pac-12 games, you know, at home. And uh, I think it's for a number of reasons, but, you know, we averaged around, I can't remember, it was 3,300 or 3,800 a game last year, which is always the, the, the top in the West. And there's a, it's, a, it's a high buzz, high energy environment. We have a beautiful ballpark. And what I've most mo- noticed most about being here in Tucson, is our, our fan base is extremely loyal, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, good times, bad times, they, they show up, and, and they're behind you, and they're always encouraging you and, and telling you you're doing a good job, and it makes it a really special place to coach and really special place to play because it, that doesn't exist in very many places across the country in, in college baseball, and we're lucky to have that at Arizona. 
Absolutely. Well, Jay, before I get you out of here, I, I just want to get your thoughts on uh, the playoffs. I know that's an exciting time. You mentioned the, the Indians being out. Um, that's my hometown team. So uh, unfortunate uh, that, that they were eliminated already. But I mean, just what do you like about watching the MLB playoffs every fall? Yeah, I think first and foremost, it's a great learning opportunity for our players because, you know, we mentioned the college baseball season being condensed and like a 56-game playoff where we feel like every time we take the field, we're in a playoff game. And so the fundamentals, the things that might not be noticed in a major league regular season baseball game get magnified in these playoffs. So first and foremost, we use, you know, every day, you know, a teaching opportunity from something that happened in a, in a playoff game. And I think this year, I think it's a unique deal where, you know, you probably have the five best teams left for sure in terms of talent and rosters. And, you know, I don't know how it all breaks out on payroll, but I think it's going to be great these last couple weeks. You know, um, I certainly don't have a, a dog in the fight, but uh, I think it should be great to, uh, great to, great to see how it unfolds and, and, uh, you know, lucky for, for us, it's good learning opportunities for our players. Absolutely. Well, we'll be, uh, we'll be watching that, and, and uh, we'll be looking forward to seeing Arizona back on the diamond uh, in the spring. Thank you so much, Jay, for, for joining us here on the Baseball America College podcast today. You got it, Jay. Talk to you soon. Thank you again to Arizona head coach Jay Johnson. You know, I, I just think it's such an interesting way that they started fall ball. Uh, you know what with that that game against the the Mexican team uh, in the two you know there in their, their home park um, you know kind of just a a great way to get started uh, in your fall season and I, it's a fun connection having Cesar Salazar uh, come back to and you know it was interesting that Jay said that was his first game at Arizona without Cesar behind the plate and you know he was such an integral part of that team. You know, right from the jump, coming in as a freshman and, and being able to, to catch for the Wildcats and uh, catch for that, especially that team, you know, the, the national runner-up team. You know, so now the Arizona is trying to find some new guys to, to take them back there. And, you know, like Jay mentioned, there's a, there's a strong freshman group there, and they were able to see some of those arms in action, which is uh, important for them. Um, and, you know, Arizona is just a, a fascinating program, I think, to watch going into this year. They've got guys, you know, like, like we mentioned with, with Cameron Cannon and Nick Quintana, who can be some draft prospects guys, and they have these young players coming in, and it's going to be a hungry program, uh, having missed the, the field of 64 last year. So as they transition kind of into this, this new core um, and, and try and get back into to Pac-12 contention, they're... They're going to be a team to watch this spring, and I, I think they can be in, in line for a pretty good year uh, as long as they can get that pitching lined up. And, uh, you know, that, that's one thing that Arizona typically has done pretty well under, under Jay and, and pitching coach Dave Lawn is they, they usually, at the end of the day, they, they find a way to get the most out of the, the pitchers they have on staff. So uh, we'll, we'll look for, to see how they, they do that this season. And, of course, they've definitely been, you know, very offensive. Um, they, they play to the park pretty well. And, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a bigger park. It's a, it's a former big league spring training site. So they, they know what they got to do to win in Tucson, and they're, they're usually pretty good at it. So, you know, this year, if they, uh, we'll, we'll see how they, they pull it all together. But, uh, you know, I think the Wildcats can, can be in a, a pretty dangerous team again this season as, 
as the Pac-12 kind of looks like it might be a little more open. You know, you've got Oregon State coming off of those two incredible seasons, of course, but with Pat Casey retiring and uh, you know the the core of of Larnick, Grenier, and Madrigal all moving on to to pro ball, having been drafted in the top forty picks. Uh, you know, maybe they're not going to be. Maybe they still will be the juggernaut of the of the conference. But at the same time, you know, there there is a lot of turnover to be had there in Corvallis and some of these other teams in the Pac-12, be it UCLA or or, or Arizona or or maybe Cal with uh, Andrew Vaughn coming back to lead the way. Um, you know, there, there's there, Stanford, of course, as well, still going to be strong. Maybe there's some room at the top of the conference now uh, for some of these other teams. Of course, Stanford did win the conference last year. They edged Oregon State and Washington, but um, Oregon State ultimately wins wins the title. So exciting times on the West Coast, and Arizona figures to be at the forefront of that for you know the foreseeable future. Uh, with Jay Johnson leading that program, it's a obviously, like Jay mentioned, a very committed fan base, a very committed community, and uh, the program traditionally, of course, exceptionally strong. And we're we're going to look for that to continue. And I'll be excited to see the Wildcats this spring and, and see what they've got, see see some of these young kids, and and what some of these returning players are able to do as as they get into their junior and sophomore seasons. So, um, again, thank you to Jay for joining us here today to to talk about. Uh, Arizona baseball on the Baseball America College podcast, and you know, all fall we're we're having these weekly college podcasts, uh, doing interviews with some uh, of the exciting people around the game. Uh, you know, today that was Jay Johnson. Next week, uh, I, I'll we've we've got Mississippi State center fielder Jake Mangum coming on, and uh, so that'll be exciting. So if you're enjoying these podcasts or our daily um, MLB playoff podcasts throughout this month as well, if you're if you're enjoying those, make sure you're subscribed here uh, to the Baseball America podcast. And uh, you know, if you're enjoying it, we'd love to hear from you in, in a review or, or just uh, rate the podcast there. And uh, you know, let us let us know uh, why you're enjoying it. And uh, you know, we we love to hear from from our uh, from our listeners. So let me know there, or let me know on Twitter. I'm at Ted Cahill and. Remember to go over to BaseballAmerica.com. We've got plenty of content there. The, the league top 20s are wrapping up, and uh, pretty soon we'll be into the organizational top 10s, top 10 prospects, and uh, all 30 teams in baseball rolling out over the next few months here. Uh, of course, leading up to the Baseball America Prospect Handbook, which you can pre-order at shop.baseballamerica.com. You can also uh, pre-order the Baseball America Almanac, uh, and a new book that we're putting out this year, the Before They Were Stars, uh, which is a look at, I believe there are 125 players in there, uh, big league stars, looking at them before they, uh, before they made it to the big league. So we're, we're diving into the Baseball America archives for that, and uh, there, there's some great players in there like Derek Cheater, Francisco Lindor, uh, very, very big, big names in the sport of baseball over the, the last 25 years, I believe it is, um, and, and just taking a look at, at, look at, looking back at their scouting reports. And uh, just from what I've seen of the book, it's, uh, it's pretty exciting, uh, you know, to, just to look at what the report on was on, on a guy like Andrew Jones, uh, what, what it was like when, when he was coming through the minor league system. So if you're a Baseball America fan, I think you'll, you'll probably enjoy that book. Um, you know, so you can check that out on shop.baseballamerica.com and uh, you know, head on over to the, to the site to, to find all of the rest of the, the great Baseball America content uh, that you're used to over there. So, uh, yeah, 
remember to uh, to subscribe uh, to the podcast if you haven't done so already, and to check out baseballamerica.com. And uh, we'll see you here next week. Thanks for listening. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.